I'm in a fidgety mood this morning, so I'll, I'll try and stand still, but I'm, when I get excited, I get quite fidgety, so I'm, I'm excited this morning. And you know what's awesome is when, I mean, I had to be careful this morning because I thought, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not careful, I'll start preaching my sermon during the worship because it was, the, the, the link was, was incredibly strong. Um, praise God again for an awesome morning, amen? And, you know, we must, we must now begin to expect that atmosphere and more. You know, that's the, if, we, if we, we have to begin to expect, this is, this is ostensibly a lot of what I'm speaking on this morning. But, but we, there must be a journey made in worship, always. And I think as a church, we're, we're, we're a church that has always had worship as a strength but you can become complacent in that which you have. And when you become complacent, it becomes stale. It has the danger to become stale. So we can never allow that to be the case. I'm not saying we are, but I'm saying we can't. We must always, our hearts must always be aware there is another level of God. There is, an, there is always more that he wants to take us into. So this morning, I was, last week, well, that was last week. Last week I was, um, we spoke on the Jew of heaven. Yeah? And uh, just a quick recap for those uh, who are not here, or for those of you who forgot. <laughs> um, we, we spoke about from, from uh, Daniel 4, from uh, Exodus 16, and from Genesis 27, 28, uh, how the Jew of heaven comes to bring a great humbling in order to bring a great blessing. And that we saw with Nebuchadnezzar how the Jew physically fell on him um, in order to bring him to, not even to his knees, but be beyond that, um, in order so that there would be a, a significant change. And then we saw how Jacob, who was running in the desert, although he had had the Jew of heaven imparted to him, he wasn't able to receive it because, he would, because of the things that were in his life. Because of, the, because of the way his heart hadn't yet been opened to God. So God, through a God encounter, brought him to his knees and Jacob changed. And then we see how God used the dew of heaven in Exodus 16, where how God, again, to humble the people so they would know that I am the Lord your God. So that when the Jew came, once the Jew had fallen, then the manna came. And, all, and, the, and, the, and the entire nation was humbled to know that God is our provider, not Egypt. So we saw, and there's a few things that we saw that it brought. And the, one th- the, the, the things, that the points we cap in on last week was that the Jew of heaven comes to break the work of the enemy and restore sanity back to the believer. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the seven mountains, aren't we? We're talking about his kingdom coming. And we're talking about Zion sitting on top of each of those mountains of influence. The mountains of economy and religion and media, entertainment and family and, and government and all of those things. And that we, am, we, must, we must start to become the church that knows how to govern in these places, in these domains. But it must start with us. And so there has to be a... The, the problem is when the philosophies of this world begin to corrupt our hearts, although sanity and insanity is quite a drastic word, if, you're living, if, if, you, have the, if you have God's way and you have the world's way, and you, then 
then there's only one right way. And the, and the world's way will cause death and destruction because that's what it's designed to do. The enemy is trying to bring death and destruction in order to keep us from the destiny and purpose that Jesus died for. Amen? So it's about bringing sanity back to the believer. And the Jew of heaven also comes to align our thoughts and understanding to God's truth. So therefore we can make a distinction about when we look at our lives, what, what of my life aligns to the truth of God and actually what part of my life is out of alignment with the truth of God. Because, as, and I believe as the Jew of heaven is coming in this season, it's there as we are humble to bring it very, very clear and concise. This is not going to be a, a muddled anymore. Um, our hearts and our minds get muddled between truth of God and the, the philosophies that we seem to call truth but actually aren't based on his word. Amen? We also see that the Jew of heaven comes to reveal the power and authority of God in order for a healthy fear to be established. And I think that's what we saw with Nebuchadnezzar. That's what we saw. And the Jew of heaven falls in different ways. You know, with Nebuchadnezzar, it physically fell on him. With Jacob, it was imparted to him. And with the people of Israel, it came physically in front of them. Yeah? So it comes in different ways, but the effect is to reveal his power, to reveal his authority, and therefore a healthy fear is established. If there is not a healthy fear of God in the house, then if you remember a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Tony, as he was preaching, spoke about, I think it was in Ezekiel, about the, the things that were going on in the temple. Yeah? There, there cannot be a healthy fear of God if they think it's okay for those things to go on. Yeah? And we have to be brought into a place where a healthy fear of God is established in order for, our, for, for, for that fear to bring us into alignment. So that we know that which is acceptable and that which is not acceptable. But that we take that responsibility to make the changes in our lives. So that we align with his word and his truth. And then we saw how the Jew of heaven came to turn the hearts of men towards God and his ways. And this is one of the things that I wanted to pick up on this morning. But before I come back to that, I'll finish off the other two. The Jew of heaven also caused worship and exaltation to come forth. A fresh sense of worship, a fresh sense of exaltation and praise came among, upon Nebuchadnezzar as a result once God had returned his sanity back. Out of a sudden, this, this, out of this fear that he had, out suddenly there was this outpouring of worship came upon him. And this needs to happen. And it was the same with Jacob. And then the Jew of heaven also comes to bring the blessing of heaven upon us. So we must always look at the end game of the Jew of heaven is to bring blessing. It's to bring fresh oil and fresh harvest and, and, all, and all of those things in our lives. But there's a process in which the Jew of heaven operates. The Jew of heaven is sent for a purpose. And the Jew of heaven, and, but the purpose is God's, there is a process that God has set in place and there is only one way to get there and that is God's way. Amen? So it's, it's, it's just something when you look at all this humbling and all this kind of, it's easy to think, oh gosh, it's going to be really hard. But it's not about it being hard. It's about seeing. It's almost like when your mum tells you to eat your greens. It doesn't taste very nice, 
But trust me, spend a week eating greens and spend a week eating pizza and tell me whether your tummy feels better after one or the other. You don't like it always. But actually, my wife did this to me. and she, she, I've, I've found a solution that the dew of heaven for my food is gravy. When the dew of heaven falls on the broccoli, suddenly the broccoli is acceptable and the broccoli goes in me and I feel better. I am blessed because my body's blessed. But it took the dew of heaven of gravy, to, the dew of gravy to fall on my broccoli. But, but that process enabled me to step into a freedom of vegetables. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> but what I want to focus on this morning is, God, why are you sending? What is... We now know that the dew of heaven, I believe, is, is coming in this season. And, but I, wanted to, I, I was asking God all week, so why? What are you sending it for? What is its purpose? We know its end purpose, but give us a bit more what that looks like. Give us a bit more understanding with, 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 what, we're, with what we're doing. And so the one thing that, that I started to understand, I started to see was, one of the things that happened was the dew of heaven comes to turn the heart of men to his ways, and to align our thoughts and understandings to God's truth. But here's the thing. Without the ways of God, we can't outwork the truth of God. The ways of God enable us to outwork the truth of God. You know, so the, the issue I, fi- I think we find in the church, many of the church, you know, present company excluded, of course. However, it's a case of, we hear the truth of God. We hear that Jesus is the same, you know, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. We hear that Jesus is, is we are more than conquerors in Christ. We see that if God is for us, who, who, who is against us? So we know the truth in here. But then when you try and go into the dominions of the world, how do you outwork that truth? In order to outwork that truth, you must know the ways of God. Moses knew the ways of God, the people just knew the deeds of God. See, even if, if, if it's okay, if, if, if someone comes here and a sign and wonder happens and somebody gets healed, that's great, you've seen a deed of God. But then when it's your turn, not in the church, but somewhere else, how do I outwork that? Do I know the ways of God? Am I, is my heart aligned in order for me to be able to take that which is in here outside? So I believe what God is sending the Jew of heaven, there's a process in which I feel God has shown me, and it's through Psalm 138. So if you can turn your Bible to Psalm 138. I have no idea how long it's going to take me to talk about this. It could be 15 minutes. It could be a bit longer. We'll see. But my job is to deliver the word that God has given me this morning. The time is irrelevant. If you get an early panini, wonderful. If you don't, that's okay. That's all right. That's what microwaves were invented for. <laughs> um, so when the pastor goes on not, not, not the pastor but you know when the speaker goes on our food can still be warm some, at some point right let's read I want us to read this this scripture um, this is a scripture that I've been using in my own personal prayer time for about a month now and I didn't really know its significance apart from it was helping me in the sense of you know sometimes when you get a sense that when you use a scripture in your own personal time, it inspires something in your spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you learn that you're able to stand on certain scriptures. Or certain scriptures just seem to draw the presence of God in that moment for you. And this is, this is, this, this is that 
this scripture is one of those scriptures. So Psalm 138, it says, and we'll just go, we're going to do the whole psalm, but we'll just start with verse 1 to 3 for the moment. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Now, I know you might have a slightly different version in that, but I like that version. That was the version I liked. And so, what I believe, what I believe the Jew of heaven is doing at this time is it is coming to us in order to release a fresh revelation of his greatness. I believe the greatness of God wants to be re-revealed in a deeper and more profound way than we, have, than we currently have now. And the verse says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name. And, I, and the first thing I believe God is, want to, is looking for, when the Jew of heaven comes, see, let's have a look at, when we talk about what, what is supposed to sit on top of all the mountains? Zion. Okay. Is Zion a physical or a spiritual dimension? Place. Spiritual, right. So how are we able to enter into Zion? Can we enter it in the flesh? Do we enter it in the spirit? Right. So what is the best way to come into the spirit? Worship. So God, through the, through the, through the Jew of heaven, as he humbles us, God is looking in this time for true worshippers. God is bringing worship back on the agenda. Not that it ever was off the agenda, but I believe God is bringing worship back as a focus in this season. That we have to break and go beyond that which where we've been thus far. Because in that place, God is saying, I want true worshippers. I want, he's searching for a house that will allow his Jew to humble their hearts and cause a deeper level of worship to arise. You see, so many of the church have this wonderful head knowledge. We have this wonderful biblical knowledge. Man, there's, there's so many guys that could put me to shame on biblical knowledge. But biblical knowledge doesn't bring discernment. Biblical knowledge doesn't bring the ways of God. Biblical that doesn't do that. But when we enter into his presence and we, we bow ourselves down, go beyond what looks stupid, go beyond what makes us feel daft, go beyond what we are comfortable with, that is when we encounter his greatness. And I believe in this season, specifically his greatness is what he's wanting us to know. The fear of God comes when you realize how great he is, how awesome he is, how awe-inspiring he is. But you can't get that without having a heart that is willing to worship. That is a heart that is not just going in and worshiping and jumping around, because there's a lot of churches where you'll go and there's a lot of jumping around and there's a lot of extravagant worship and people doing cartwheels. There's a lot of people singing incredible songs. But it's so much soul going on, there's no actual worship going on. 
It's not, so we're not looking for a church. We're not saying now, in order for a deeper level of worship to come, I expect three cartwheels a Sunday. It's not that we're saying we expect hollering and hooping. It's not that I want you to start bringing your tambourines out. It's not that I want you to start bringing your flags out. Lord forbid the ribbons and the flags. (laughs) If you are, you're at the back. I'm just letting you know. If there's a place, it's at the back or maybe in there. So God can see you because it doesn't, I just don't have to. (laughs) You know, I I don't, I'm sure there is a a place for it, but it's just not here. (laughs) It's not about a these physical requirements where we now expect every single person to come in and start to just go nuts. That's not what we're asking, and that's not what God is asking. Because God is looking at the heart, not what you do with your body. But at the same time, when you look at David, King David, and how before all of his subjects, he became undignified. If there is a deep stirring going on, at some point there must be a physical outworking. Just as, just as in the same way that out of, the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak at some point. If there is a flow of the heart and it's starting to overflow, this is the, the vehicle that, that, that is used. You know, because, because you imagine... Have you ever been in that situation where you, you just really want to say something and you're hungry because you don't, you know, do you know what I mean? And there's that, I'm bursting to say it. I'm bursting to say it. We, that's not what God is asking for. There has to be an overflow, an outworking of the heart. So God is asking for true worshippers. He wants true worshippers, which will cause us to have an encounter with his greatness. I really believe his greatness is this, specifically the word that was dropped into my spirit. Because whenever you see the greatness of God, that's what always humbles me the most. The love of God touches my heart. But it's the greatness of our God. It's the size of our God. It's the majesty of our God that causes the greatest change in my heart and change in my, in my posture towards God. You see, some of, us, some of us worship with almost a... I remember going once for prayer. And I, and I remember coming forward. And it was like, you know, like when, everyone, when, when there's a guy, a guy in the house and he's praying for people and everyone just does all that and they fall over. I kind of went with this posture of... I literally stood like this. As in, bring me down if you can. And it was like, I'm not moving. I'm not going down like a, like a wuss. No chance, no chance. Not going to do it. And, I was, and the guy was like, what are you doing? You're fighting, your posture is all wrong. And that is why the scripture says, I will bow down towards your holy temple. There is a humbling that must start to come into our hearts. That has to, that, that is the heart that God wants to receive. And out of that will come an encounter with his greatness. You see, Jacob encountered God's greatness at Bethel. Jacob encountered it because he, because he was like, Surely God was in this place. And then fear came on him. And out of that fear, then came praise. Out of that came a new, a whole new journey. Came a whole new mindset. Came a whole new man. And, and the rest is history, as they say, with Jacob. The next thing is that 
once we humble ourselves in worship, we then can become more aware of his love and his faithfulness. You see, when I look at, when I, when I, when I, whenever I'm in that place and I worship God, God reminds me of the ways he has shown me his love and his faithfulness. But in my anxiety or in my, in my mind, I misunderstand. I don't see what God is doing around me, through me, for me, behind me, back, in front of my face. But when I humble myself, I'm able to see this love and this faithfulness. I'm able to understand how God, not just that he does show me his love and his faithfulness, but how he shows me his love and his faithfulness. So we are not a church that are are ignorant of his ways. We are a church that must be aware of how God works through us, how God is speaking to us, how God reveals his love and his faithfulness. Because it gives us a greater understanding of how to walk with him. If we don't understand how love and faithfulness come, then you can be there feeling like God is rejecting you when God is doing the opposite. And God wants us to know these things in order that we can stand in confidence because who doesn't want to know his love and his faithfulness? Because when you receive that love and you receive that faithfulness, it brings an affirmation that no one else can give you. And out of that, comes where we're going next. I want you to look, again, just to emphasize, I want us to look at Jesus for a moment. And in the next scripture, it says, before we go to Philippines, keep up. it says here, so it says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Why is praising? Because they see the love and the faithfulness of God. Yeah, we're understanding this. This is the, the worshiper in the psalm. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. I love that verse. For you have exalted above all other things your name and your word. Let's have a look at, G- at Jesus. In uh, Philippians 2. Give you a second to get there. I'll take another swig of my drink. Okay, Philippians two. We're going to read from verse five to eleven, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, cut it halfway. So it says this: In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we see, when we look at the ways of God, Before Jesus' name was exalted, above all else, which we'll read in a second, he humbled himself. He didn't take advantage of being God. He humbled himself and became the patterned son. You want to know the ways of God? Look at Jesus. Jesus became the patterned son in order that we may know how to operate 
our relationship with, with God. And so because Jesus was, was willing to, at that first point, now Jesus didn't need the dew of heaven to come down and, and, and rid himself of all of the, of the misconceptions and, and, and deceptions of this world. Christ immediately knew from day one, I must humble myself before my Father. When I worship, when I pray, when I walk, everything I do, I must walk as a servant of the Most High. So because of that, we see, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. You see, it's the sprinkled blood of Jesus that gives us a better word. You see, when Jesus... This is, what I, what, this is what I felt God said to me. As the Jew falls and you humble yourself and we are amazed by his greatness and then we see his love and his faithfulness, we then begin to also have a revelation of who Christ is. Because the name exalted above all else is his name and his words. The name of Jesus is exalted. Because Jesus did it first, we are able to enter in into the same ways that Christ did. Therefore, we can take on the mind of Christ. As we take on the mind of Christ, we have a revelation of who Christ is and how Christ operates. So therefore, what we've been talking about all year, we want a fresh revelation. We want to see Christ revealed so the church can be reformed. In this place of worship, we are able to see Christ revealed. As his name is exalted, as we bow down in worship, knowing his ways, Christ's name is exalted and we see a, few, a further revelation of who Christ is. Amen? Is it making sense so far? Okay, keep with me. The next one. Now this is where, you see, the word. So there's two areas in church. Worship that we are mentioning right now. But the other area which I believe we're already operating in is authentic sonship. Because his word must also be acknowledged. And I felt that this is... Now let's look at the scripture. If there's one, I'll read this and you'll know what, exactly what I mean because anyone who's done authentic sonship knows this has been essentially the key core scripture that we've been, that we've been doing. Which is just a little bit below it in 2, in two Philippians 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. In order, for it is God who works in you and will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We are learning to humble ourselves by his truth. So aligning our, error, our, our ways, because guess what? Because church gives a lot of erroneous stuff out when you, if you go to enough churches. We've seen that. People have these, cra- not crazy, well, no, some, say some people have crazy ideas about God. Some people have been given and fed some absolute rubbish that has kept them in bondage and captivity. Authentic sonship, I believe every one of us has seen a freedom and a release in, ah, I didn't know that before. Ah, now I don't have to think that. Now I see it. Now God has opened my eyes. Could we agree that, church? So therefore, we we are already exalting his word, but his word and his name must go hand in hand. 
With the measure, the deep humbling needed to receive his word, we must humble ourselves in equal measure to receive his presence. The presence, we cannot receive his presence, the word can only come and operate so far in our lives. And the outworking of that word will always be stunted because we don't know his ways. We will receive his truth, but we have to have his presence in order to receive his ways. In order that we can fully begin to outwork that which God is working in. Amen? So there's a, the, the dew of heaven is coming in order to bring his truth to the fore, which we're doing through authentic sonship. We're doing, when we're, we're, that is why when we have the word in our worship, guys, you've got to, I've got one thing I would say, we have to become better at receiving the word when we're in worship. We have to start to align our hearts, because if the word gets brought to bring us higher, but our spirits are, hmm, hmm, then that's what our worship goes like that. Now, sometimes you'll realize they don't seem to get down and they do a lot of, we do a lot of talking. But that is because, what does Pastor Tony talk about? If I don't feel the ping, I don't let us sing. Because our priority is to go into the depth of heaven, to go into his throne room, that we can encounter God at this level. The word comes to, as we exalt his name, the word, because the way you treat the word is the way you treat the word, as Phil said. Because if Christ is the word and the word is Christ, then they must go hand in hand. So as we exalt Christ, we must also exalt his word. If we don't have his word, we don't have his truth. If we don't have Christ, we don't have his ways. And therefore the purpose that God has, wants to fulfill in us cannot come. But if we are willing to humble ourselves in his presence, if we are willing to encounter his greatness, if we are, we are then aware, able to see his love and his faithfulness, fear is then removed. You see, when I go out, when I was um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, Many of you, I don't know if you know, you don't know, but I was off work for about seven or eight weeks, seven weeks it was, because I'd had a situation at work, and I may have told the story before, so if I have, forgive me, where in here, everything was going great. Everything was absolutely fantastic. You know, I would be, I'd become an elder, I, I'd, I was, the, the youth are doing great, worship was good, everything in here was fine, people were, you know, receiving that, the, the ministry that I was doing, I was getting invited to places, I was being given influence, everything that could be good was good in God, in the church. But I did not know how to bring what was in the church into my workplace, because I was frustrated in my workplace, because I had a, I had a manager who I didn't know how didn't, I just didn't know how to be, the Paul that you saw in church is not the Paul that you saw in work. I was the same, I was, a, I was a nice guy and everyone knew I went to church and I wasn't ashamed of that. But there is a way in order to bring dominion in a domain. In order for you to conquer and be able to outwork those truths of Christ in that place, you need to know the ways of God. And I did not know how to bring that which was going so well in the church outside the church. So I became frustrated. And it caused an internal struggle that went again and again and again until something broke within me. 
And it wasn't until that point that I had to go through this, essentially this process, that God had to come and reduce me to my knees. God knew what he was doing the whole time. He allowed it to come on me. And then as I humbled myself before him to say, God, I don't know what to do. Because when I go outside, I'm surrounded by the philosophies and everything else that I see in the world, and I don't know how to bring what's in me outside. And I believe that is where most of the church is. Because if the church wasn't at that place, this place would be packed. And every church around here would be packed, and our nation would start to be transformed. But there is a distinct lack of training of how do we know the ways of God in order to establish the truth of God in every place that we go into. And I believe God in in this year of transition and training, which I think this is what this year is, it's a year where we're training up new leaders, we're training, we're having to, we're having to see the, align our hearts with the truth, we're having to get rid of old theology, old actions, old philosophies, in order that we may become the bride of Christ as a house, so we can start to affect the nations and our nation. And this, I believe, is, the, is, is where we're, we're coming to now, where God is bringing us, because he says he wants fear released from the house of God. There wants to be a release of any fear. Get rid of it. Not a, I release fear on you. He wants to release the fear of God and his greatness in order that we align ourselves so we can go out. And therefore... Where's the next bit? It says here, so we've read, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Now I see. For you have exalted above, above all else your name in Christ and your word through the, through the word. So when I called you, you answered me and you made me bold and stout-hearted. There is a fresh boldness that I believe God wants to bring upon this house. A boldness that stops, that gives us the confidence because when we know the power and authority of the name of Jesus and the word of God, how can it not give us boldness? But so many of us don't have this boldness. We are, we are as much as we can in here, have as much faith as possible, and we can, we can say all the things. When we step outside those doors, we feel ill-equipped. We feel we haven't got the confidence. There is, there is a, but, there, but I believe God is one to bring a supernatural boldness and confidence in order for us to be able to start to enter into these mountains and start to make a change. Amen? You all look scared to death now. <laughs> Let's look at, back to Psalm 138, verse 4 and 5. It says, May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. You see, what vehicle does God use to speak his word to the nations and to the kings of, of all these nations? He uses us. Us. It's us. So the words of the mouth of God come through us. But if we don't have boldness, they're not going to hear it. And it's time that our enemy knew that there is a group of people, there is a company of people that have the boldness to declare and speak into every domain that we enter. 
It's time for him to not have his own way anymore. It's time for the greatness of our God and his name and his word to start to be proclaimed to the kings and principalities of this world. But it's got to come through us. And I believe that God's boldness is going, if we are willing at the very beginning to turn our hearts into him, this is the process the Jew of heaven has come to enable us to come into. And then it says here in verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. This is, this is the bad bit. Guys, if we do not hear what God is saying in this season, then you will only know his presence from afar. If we are not willing to humble our ways, to humble the things that we've held you know, in our hearts for a long time, because here's the thing, there are, there are times in our lives when God has to say, you thought you were right for 20 years, but you're wrong. Yeah. And you've, you've held on to doing a certain way for many, many years. And maybe it's given you some level of success, but guess what? It's still wrong. Because my way has now come. And, we, and this is why it has to be a great humbling, and it has to be a humbling of his greatness. Because without the humbling of his greatness, where you literally feel like you're stood before his presence, and you're going... When you're at awe of his... When you're from afar, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's just God. I'll, I'll do it when I can. I'm not there yet, but I'll get to that point. Then guess what? All you'll do is you'll stay there. And you'll see his house from a distance. You'll see his temple from a distance. You'll see the good things that God has at a distance. But the pride in your heart will keep you at a distance. But the lowly, the ones who humble themselves, the ones who are willing to accept that God, whatever you say is wrong, I'll take it out. Whatever you say is erroneous, I'll remove. Whatever you will say I've got to do, I'll do. Because of your name and your word. I'll do it. And because of your greatness. I feel God. And I, and I don't know. I just feel that I can't not say that. Because we have to make a choice. Because I saw there's a vision which I won't share now. Because I don't think it's the right time to share. But Pastor Tony and Phil know. But there's a, there's a specific vision that God showed me of his house. Of this house. And there is not an option to be in this house and stay afar. There's not an option. This isn't an option. This is, this is God says, this is my way. He's not coming to us to humble us in some sort of disciplinarian way. This is not, you're all bad people. That is why, as we see his greatness, we know his love and his faithfulness. That's why the heart can would go with confidence into his presence and say, here I am. Open me up. Take out what you will, put in what you will. But as we start with this boldness and we start to proclaim and we start to go and have, I mean, think about the many different conversations. You know, the church that says, that how many people say the church is outdated because we don't think gay marriage is okay? How many people think that because we don't, th- because we don't think abortion is okay? We're outdated. How many, it's not just Islam that we have to worry about. I'm more worried about Atheists, skeptics, and all these other liberal, liberal kind of people, I'm more worried about them than I am about Islam. Islam will fall as the kingdom rises. But it's, it's, this, it's this modernized view of the world 
that this hollow, deceptive philosophy that if it makes you happy, you're okay. But the moment you begin to stand and begin to speak, we become intimidated. And like blind Bartimaeus, we stop call, we would, st- if we didn't, we don't respond like he does, we go, Jesus, and then someone goes, oh, shut up, pipe down. And what do we do? We pipe down. And the voice of the church has been lost. Which is why God is bringing us into this season. But it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, because when we enter into the domain of the enemy, we walk in the midst of trouble. But when we have his name and his word inside of us, it says, you stre- you, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. And you stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. So those who would say, shush and quieten down, the Lord says, my anger comes on them, but your life I will preserve. That's why we can go into, a, into an air. That's why you can go into your job. And it doesn't matter if the boss says there might be, you have to do this, this, and this if you want to get anywhere in this company. No, you stand on that which God has said, on his word and his name. You don't have to have fear because of who we believe in and who we have encountered. And it's the foes that come against us that will not be preserved. But it's those who are lowly who God will raise up. And that is the time that I believe God is. And then it says here, and I love this bit. It says, where am I? Here we go. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Every single person in this house has a purpose, has a God-given purpose that we were brought here today. You are not here by accident. You are here by divine appointment. For such a time as this, in order to make a difference beyond these four walls. So church, as we finish now, let's look at what we're saying. That The Jew of heaven is coming so we will humble ourselves in his presence. So we will encounter his greatness. So we'll be made aware of his love and faithfulness. So fear can be removed. Then we can know the authority of his name. We know the truth of his word. A new boldness can come and arise in our lives. Through the mountains we will see. They will hear his word. They will know his ways. And they will praise our God. And then he will preserve our lives. Our enemies will fall before us. And the Lord will fulfill his purposes through us. That sounds like a good deal to me. But it takes us to come and say, God, in this, in this time right now, I must become a true worshipper. I must humble myself in order for I, so I can encounter your greatness. Come on, stand to our feet. I've been quite reserved. I thought I was going to get gizzy and start jumping, but I promised I wouldn't, so I'm not. But let me say this to you. How good and pleasant is it when the brothers live together in unity? It is precious, like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's covering us. It is as if the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. We must enter into the dimensions of Zion. And I believe that the Jew of heaven is coming at a time like this. How awesome it will be is if in one body we encounter his greatness in worship. And out of that we know his ways. And out of his ways comes a boldness, comes revelation we never thought possible, comes an outworking that will cause us to have the confidence to go into every domain that we are all presently a part of and more. And God will say, your life I will preserve. 
the kings and your colleagues will sing of my name because you spoke. Because out of your mouth they won't hear you, they'll hear me. He will preserve your life. He will protect us. And he will fulfill his purpose for you and for us. So come on, let's just raise our hands this morning. Father God, right now, thank you, Father God, for the Jew of heaven coming in this place. Thank you, my God, for that which you're doing in our midst in this, in this time. So, but my God, right now, we declare as a body, Father God, we turn our hearts, we bow our, ourselves, and we look towards your temple. Right now, Father God, we say, God, come. Come and let us see. Father, we want to encounter your greatness. Father, come and bring us. We're willing to have our lives humble. We're willing to have those things that are, that, are, that are out of kilter to be brought into alignment. But Father, reveal and exalt your name. Reveal and exalt your word in our midst, O oh God. That Father God, as we, as we learn your truth, we know your ways. And as we know your ways, we're able to be released from fear. Father God, right now, we bind up fear in the house of the Lord. Let there be no fear in this place, O oh God. But let it come so strong. Let it come so fast. Let it come so amazing that, my God, it overflows beyond this wall. Father God, give us the ability, give us the, the, the faith to go and take your word outside of these walls. My God, let us take it into every domain. Let every domain be held captive by Zion as we step into Zion and Zion pours out of us. Father God, as the sign says, we have come to a Zion explosion. So mighty God, right now, church, just begin to, to speak to him right now and say, Father, I come, I willingly submit my knees, I, I lay on my knees as Jesus did. I humble myself before you right now, Father, for I desire to encounter your greatness. I desire to encounter your greatness, oh God. I'm willing to go on the journey. I'm willing to go on the journey, for I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want your kingdom to come in my life. Begin to talk to him right now. Begin to make that declaration in your heart. Don't worry if you don't understand it. It's a decision this morning. It's a decision this morning. Oh, Come on, begin to stir your spirits right now. Begin to stir your spirits right now. Oh,